There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, it's hard to believe that it's Wednesday already on the podcast, but certainly we're uh, looking forward to what the Lord is doing this week in Oxford, North Carolina, what the Lord will continue to do this week as well as what the Lord is doing on the podcast. And so we're grateful for each of you that pray, thankful for those of you that tune in. What a privilege it is to bring these messages to you. We're going to be in Psalm uh, 13 today and uh, go into Psalm 14, and eventually we'll be done with Psalm 15, maybe today, possibly later in the week, and we'll just see what the Lord has for us. But I want to just go ahead and clear up something that was said the other day. It was brought to my attention that I had misread the Bible, I would just like to simply say to you in Psalm 12, now I don't have a good excuse except the fact that I had ordered new glasses when I was in New York and my new glasses did not come in. I've been having trouble seeing the Bible. I turned 50 this year. And if those of you that have turned 50, you know your eyes change. I'm having trouble reading this print. And so there's also a hyphen in the middle of the word in my Bible. And so I misread in Psalm 12 and 1, help Lord for the godly man ceaseth. And I three times mentioned that as the goodly man. Then I quoted a verse uh, about uh, there's none that doeth good. And so, therefore, I misquoted that. It was simply a misunderstanding on my part. So I'd like to just clarify that is the godly man that ceaseth from upon the face of the earth. In Psalm 14, the word of God says this, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. And so today, I do want to pause there, and I realize we've mostly been looking at these psalms in the light of the Messianic psalms, and in this passage, the Word of God gives us some instruction concerning the fool. Two times in the Word of God, we see where he says the fool in his heart, and so we must understand that it's in the heart of the fool that these things are said, and it's in the heart of the fool that he denies the being of God, the existence of God, when he says there is no God. And Psalm 53, 1 is the other place where it says that. And it says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Again, he says here, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So I wanted to clarify that because I I use that verse in context with the godly man, but it's the godly man that ceaseth from upon the face of the earth, not the goodly. And uh, you look at the doctrine of the godly man and you'll understand the person uh, that is speaking of there. We're in a day and hour, though, when the fool has a heart that has turned from God, has rejected the very existence of God, and it's not just words. He believes that in his heart. You realize there are agnostics out there that don't believe in their heart that there is no God. 
They think it's cool to deny the existence of God or popular to deny that there is nothing, but yet there's a nagging doubt in their mind and in their thinking of their heart that there is a God. And yet we live in a day when even atheists that deny the existence of God. I've heard of atheists being born of God. Why? They've not completely hardened their heart. But he said this, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And again, the fool is mentioned all through the scriptures. In fact, if you look at the Proverbs, 83 times that fool is mentioned in the Proverbs, a great place to study the fool. You'll see the eyes of a fool, the mouth of a fool, the actions of a fool. You'll see all the characteristics of a fool and his foolishness. 83 times it's mentioned in the book of Proverbs. I'll give you just a quick rundown. The fool in singular is mentioned 37 times. That's more than once a chapter in the book of Proverbs. Fools in plurality is mentioned 18 times. And so we see multiple fools are mentioned 18 times. Fools in the possessive is mentioned eight times. And then we see foolishness. That's the action of fools. And by the way, the children of God can act foolish, but they cannot be a fool. They can just mimic a fool. Is mentioned eight times. Foolishly is mentioned two times in the adverb sense. And then foolish is mentioned 13 times. That's that action of being foolish, acting foolish, playing the part of the fool. But the word of God tells us here that the fool has said in his heart, this comes from the depths of his heart, the recesses of his heart. One of the things important to understand in the Word of God, and I'd recommend that anybody study this, I believe it's one of the early studies men need to make. A pastor friend of ours that had gotten born of God here several years ago, when he and I sat down within a month after him being saved, probably within about two weeks of him being saved, we sat down and I went through the heart with him. And uh, we sat for several days, and I expounded things in the Scripture concerning the heart. I believe it's very important. I learned later on in my Christian life, thankfully not too late in my Christian life, uh, what the heart was and how the heart works and how the heart thinketh according to the Word of God. But you'll see men all through the Scriptures thought in their heart. We see the preacher in the Ecclesiastes. He was thinking in his heart. We see Eliezer. Uh, we see the servant of Isaac, and he is not only thinking in his heart, but the word of God says that he said in his heart. And then we know that Hannah, when she prayed, she prayed from the heart. And the amazing thing about Hannah's testimony is that the Holy Ghost then revealed what Hannah prayed in her heart. Her lips were not moving, but she was speaking from the heart. And the Holy Ghost spake through holy men of God and revealed the heart of Hannah to us. And then we see a a Haman in Esther 6 and 6. Haman, and by the way, he is a fool. He said, who would the king delight to honor more than myself? And he said this where? In his heart. Why did he say that in his heart? Because out of the abundance of the heart, man speaketh. And he's speaking of the abundance. He thought the king would want to honor him more than anybody else. A man who really hadn't done anything extraordinary. A man that really hadn't done anything above and beyond. A man that really was looking to overthrow the king. But he didn't realize that the king wanted to honor that Jew Mordecai more than himself. Mordecai, who had saved the king and saved his life. And yet he wanted to honor Mordecai. But Haman thought in his heart, oh boy, who does the king want to honor more than me? There's nobody the king loves more than me. And that's just the way the fool is. He loves himself. He loves his actions. He loves his thinking. He loves his uh, methods. He loves his mindset. All of those things, the fool. And so doing so, he denies the very existence of God in his heart. He's speaking in his heart saying there is no God. 
He's looking at nature and denying the existence of God. He looks at the marvel that is the our body, the creation of God. He looks at the marvel that's the human body and all the things in the that, that are involved in the human body and each system as it works independently yet works together. And he really believes in his heart there's no God. And so he says in his heart, there is no God. He's a fool. The word of God tells us he's a fool. If you have family members that deny God and the existence of God, they're fools. You have people that say, uh, you know, I, I just don't believe that. They're fools. And can I say to you, there are people sitting in churches that we preach to. There are people sitting in churches all across this nation. They would say they're Christians. They would say that they believe the word of God. And by the way, you can just have any variant level of that and the vagaries that go with that. But yet sitting in the house of God, in their heart, they say there is no God. When a man disputes and science overthrows the word of God, what is he saying in his heart? There is no God. The only way we know God is through the word of God. The way that we're come to God is through the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we're in a day when men have denied the existence of God. They denied the being of God and they're denying the work of God. And they're sitting in the house of God, denying those things. They're denying the miracles of God. Psalm 49 and 10 says this, For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. So that man saying in his heart, there is no God, proof that there is a God is that he dies. Death is promised of God, and that by one man sin had entered the world, and death by sin. The wages of sin is death. The fact that that foolish man dies is proof that there is a God. In Psalm 92 and verse 6, a brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. What is that? O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. And so the thoughts of God are very deep. The works of God are very great. The brutish man doesn't get that. He can't see that. And the fool can't understand that. And so therefore they see faith and the working of faith and those that have faith. And they believe that those people are the fools. They think they're foolish for having faith. They think they're foolish for believing there's a God. I remember just as a young convert, a man had comedy. He was uh, spouting off at work one day, and he said, boy, religion's a crutch. And there was a fellow who I didn't even really think was that spiritual. Of course, I wasn't myself either, uh, but he, he wasn't even that spiritual. He looked up, and he said, hey, if religion's a crutch, I'll take two, one for each arm. I said, amen and amen on that. Oh, religion's just a crutch, but what is his crutch? Booze? Women? Dope? Sleeping pills? I mean, what is his crutch? Oh, religion is just a crutch to keep people going. Well, what do you think doctors do today? They give them antipsychotropic pills and give them sleeping pills and antidepressants, and they're keeping people going. And nobody goes, oh, your doctor's just a crutch. Uh, nobody goes, oh, the medical profession's just a crutch. Oh, your whoremonger is just a crutch. Your, your drunkenness is just a crutch. Your drug use is just a crutch. It keeps you going. No, but they mock the idea that there's a holy God in heaven and that the saints of God believe God, take God at his word, and they need God in their life. And they mock that very concept, that very idea. So they also mocked here. He says in Psalm 14, to the chief musician, the Psalm of David, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. 
There is none that doeth good. That's why the fool says in his heart, there is no God. He said that, why? Because he's done abominable works. There's none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. And by the way, this verse is often twisted and misconstrued and bent all around, but there is none that seeketh after God. Yet man is commanded to seek God. And I know preachers on both sides of the aisle of that, that balk and, 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 and stonewall of that. Yet man is commanded to seek God. The entrance of thy word giveth light. If you see light, then you ought to follow that light and seek after that light. But Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's not hard to find. But yet there's no man is seeking after God. He's not a faraway God. He's a very close God. He's as close as the word of God. And yet there's men that say, I've been seeking. I can't find him. If you're seeking after God, you will find him if you're truly seeking after him. He simply said, you have to search with your whole heart. And there's men that on both sides, there's some that say, well, there's nothing that seeketh after God. Man's not obligated to seek after God. Only Christians are to seek after God. But the word of God tells us, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he is a re he that cometh to God. Who's there that come to God? Those seeking God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And there's those that say, well, I'm seeking God and God has seemed to hide himself from me. Well, you know, a seeking sinner, a seeking sinner is also a cleaned up sinner. He's, if he's seeking God, he's not going to be involved in the putridness of this world and the vile affections of this world and, and uh, the backbiting and the, the pornographies and the lust and the vile affections. And You know why? Because if he's seeking God, he's going to seek God with his heart. He's not going to say in his heart, there is no God. He's going to seek God with his heart. And verse 3 says, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. So two times in this te text now, we've seen that. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Who eat up thy people as they eat up bread and call not upon the name of the Lord? And in the word of God tells in verse five, there were they in great fear. For God is in the generation of the righteous. And by the way, that changes everything. Now, that changes people's attitudes. That changes people's opinions. That changes people's thinking. When they see the great work of God, they see God in the generation of the righteous, it will cause fear. That's what revival is going to bring. Here we are in the midst of what the pastors called at this church a revival effort. We are looking to revive the saints of God. We're looking to take that which has shown life and restore life and bring it back to life again. We're looking for God to work. And when we find that God is in the generation of the righteous, I believe others would have fear. You have sinned, excuse me, you have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. And so here David is prophesying again of Israel going into bondage. It's amazing that David, that great prophet of God, is speaking of a time when Israel, God's going to look down the face of men. He's going to discern that there's none that doeth good. They've all turned after abominable works. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Israel's in captivity. 
The word of God says, when the Lord turned again, in Psalm 126, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. That's the revival that comes. That's when God stirs amongst his people. That's when the heart of the righteous is turned. It was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. It's a song of revival, a song of renewal, a song of the return of the Lord to his own. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. And speaking of Jesus Christ, deliver his own, to bring his own out of bondage, to bring God's people out of Zion. Isn't that amazing? Oh, the salvation will come out of Zion when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people. Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. Can I say to you, my friend, that salvation of Israel did come out of Zion. He came to his own, his own received him not. The salvation of Israel has come out of Zion, yet they cannot see that he's the Christ. The fool can't see that he's the Christ. The ungodly can't see that he's the Christ. Why, there's none that seeketh after God. There's none looking for God today. But might I say, sinner friend, if you're lost without Christ and God has opened your eyes to the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you may not be born of God. You may not believe in your heart. But it continues to gnaw at you, continues to nip at you. You ought to lift up holy hands and just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. You're far better off than the fool. You're far better off than the fool that's dead and trespasses and sins and denies the very existence of God in his heart. If God has turned again uh, your thinking and turned your thinking to the word of God, the entrance of the word of God have given you light, you ought to rejoice and bless his name and praise the holy God of Israel that year after year God continues to give you light and continues to show you the word of God lest you be a fool, lest you die the death of fools. For 25 years, I wandered as a fool. For 25 years, I was wandering, lost without Christ, lost without hope. But the word of God came to where I was and brought light into my soul. And I turned from my foolishness, turned from my foolish ways, sought after God, began to call upon the name of the Lord. And what a difference God has made in my life. Well, I want to praise him. I want to bless his name. And when I believe what he's done for me, he'll do for any sinner that comes to him. He that cometh to me, he said, I will in no wise cast out. That's a promise of God. If you don't believe that, you don't believe the word of God. But he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He's not a faraway God. He's a very close God. He's as close as the psalm which we read today. He's as close as a God of salvation can be. He's not distant. He's not aloof. He's forever present in the word of God. Would you trust him? Would you believe him? This is Brother Tim. Thank you for tuning in again this day. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website, 
and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.